here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. Christians, let's be more influenced by this book than by the stream of thought that's polluting the land with its lies. Let the heavenly word filter into your heart and mind and soul and be guided by this book. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my way. The Bible was not given to us merely as a good book to read or as a suggestion on how we are to live our lives. Rather, God intended his words to influence every part of our beings. Pastor Ed reminds us in today's message how easy it is to get caught up in the ways of this world and how allowing that influence more ground in our lives is harmful in the long run. God has given us all that we need to know to follow Him and live the best life we can. And all of it lies in the pages of the Bible. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Light of the World. John chapter 12, verse 46. John chapter 12, verse 46. Reading from God's holy word. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. That's the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was back in the early 60s 1960s, in the church that I was saved in, in Brooklyn, New York, on Neck Road, there were people used in the gifts of the Spirit, in prophetic words and prophecies. And there was one very godly woman that stood up in the congregation, and she began to prophesy. She said, pray for the youth of our nation." There's a great cloud of darkness coming on the earth and coming on the young people. There will be great confusion. Shortly after that, we had all of the turbulence in the 60s where young people became involved in drugs and illicit sex and lost their way. I believe that we're living in a time of great spiritual darkness that is settling on the earth. We're in a spiritual desert. Do you know that in a desert, that daytime, the light is brighter in a desert, and the nighttime, it's darker in a desert than anywhere else? Somehow the makeup of the desert creates greater light or greater darkness. Jeremiah speaks to this when he says, Give honor to the Lord your God before the darkness falls, before your feet stumble on the mountains of evening. When you hope for light and it is turned to the shadow of death and it becomes pitch dark 
That's what's happening in our nation. There's a darkness that is settling over the land. Jesus said to his generation that he was the light of the world. Jesus Christ is the light that can deliver us out of darkness. And he's the only light that can deliver us out of darkness. In Isaiah chapter 9-2 is a prophetic word in the Old Testament looking forward to the coming of Christ. And it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. It's quoted in the New Testament as well, and it's referring to the ministry of Christ, that he would be a shining light to a generation of people bound in darkness. Jesus Christ is the light that delivers you out of darkness. You know that personal experience of God's saving light. In 1 Peter, the apostle says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God reached in your darkness, pulled you out, and brought you into the light. I remember the day, I remember the season when I was saved. Suddenly, everything seemed different. Literally, life became alive for me. I went outside and the clouds looked so bright. The sky looked so blue. Everything seemed to come to life when I accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I began to see things differently. No longer did I focus on living for self, but it was now living for the Savior. Uh, No longer did I see life from a sinful, self-willed perspective. I began to see life from a biblical perspective. You know what I'm talking about. You who have accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, when Jesus comes into your heart, suddenly something turns on on the inside and you simply see your life differently and everything differently. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You say to yourself, why doesn't everybody see it? Why can't they understand it? It's so clear. God created everything that there is. God's here. Can't they see his signature over all his creation? And you scratch your head and you wonder. Well, it's because you're walking in the light. And now you see. Jesus is called the light of life. The light's turned on on the inside. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun is risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. 
that personal experience with God, that encounter with the eternal, changes the way you see life from every level and every perspective. And that's why you see things differently than those around you who know not the Lord. But what's true of the individual is true also of the nation. When I went down to Colonial Williamsburg with my wife, we visited the historical section and we listened to a man who portrayed Thomas Jefferson. He did a great job, but on some points, I really said he's missed it because he gave the impression. Now, Thomas Jefferson wasn't a Christian, but those founding fathers were influenced by the Bible, by Christian thought by the influence of the theology of Scripture. So many in our nation are trying to rewrite history. Yes, they've already rewritten history. They're erasing the Christian heritage from the past. The national experience of God's saving light, it is there if you study the historical documents, if you study history. In Isaiah 51, 4, it says, Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. The law will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. It's Jesus Christ, his word, the scriptures, that helps us to know how to live how to walk in this world. And part of the reason that people are stumbling along and losing their way and sensing a sense of loss of meaning of life is because basically they have turned away from God and they've gone their own way. They've forsaken the living and true God. And the Bible says that any nation that forsakes the living God will be turned into hell. Remember Pharaoh rejecting the words of Moses and the message of Moses and darkness came on the land? Let me read to you from Exodus chapter 10 some portions of scripture. Pharaoh, stubborn once again, says, I will not let the people go. Then the Lord said to Moses, lift your hand toward heaven and a deep and terrifying darkness will descend on the land of Egypt. So Moses lifted his hand toward heaven and there was a deep darkness over the entire land for three days. During all that time, the people scarcely moved for they could not see. But there was a light as usual where the people of Israel lived. At that moment, there was a darkness so thick You could feel it. Cultures are shaped by story. In oral cultures, in history, where oral cultures would pass on their values and their traditions and the things that they felt were important, uh, they would tell about the heroes of the past and they were setting forth standards and values. Generations ago, pulpits throughout our land 
had a powerful impact. But then the adversary came, the enemy came, and he attacked the pulpits of our country where preachers no longer believed in the inerrancy of Scripture, no longer believed that it was God's inspired word, and they began preaching merely a social gospel without the power of God. And we have as surrendered, in a sense, the storytelling role to the secular media, They're creating the stories that people are living. You see, the downward spiral of morality. You recognize the loss of values. The foundations are being taken away. And why? Well, just look at some of the movies and the television and all the things that are coming out. They picture Christians as bigoted, hard head, hard-nosed, not compassionate, narrow-minded. And they picture those living lives of sin as the people who are compassionate and have it together. And, And so they're telling the stories. And young people and older people are buying into it We're seeing an erosion of morals within our nation. When you think about what's happening with homosexuality, it's just one example. Adultery, another example. Just this loss of sense of who we are and how we should live. It's the culture that's taking its cue from the storytelling institution that's saying, here are the values and here's how we should live. Christians, let's be more influenced by this book than by the stream of thought that's polluting the land with its lies. Let the heavenly word Filter into your heart and mind and soul and be guided by this book. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my way. Amen. We have literally pushed God out of the culture. We've literally said, right is wrong and wrong is right. Isaiah 5.20 reads, What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. That dark is light and light is dark. It's all turned upside down and inside out. Science has taken the place of God's word. And so many other things have taken the place of God's word. And science is good, but it's not a God in Jonesboro, Arkansas, an 11 and 13-year-old pulled a school fire alarm and assumed sniper positions. Then they shoot at students and teachers. As they file out the school, they kill four students and one teacher, wounding 11 others. In Oakland, California, a teenager with a knife chases a woman down the street with a crowd gathers and chants, kill her, kill her. 
Like spectators at a sport event, someone in the crowd finally trips the frightened woman, giving her assailant a chance to stab her to death. At Dartmouth, Massachusetts, three boys surround a ninth grade classmate. They stab him to death. Afterwards, they laugh and trade high fives like basketball players after they've sunk a shot. What's happening? God, we don't want you in our culture, in our schools, in our community. Now, just for a moment, imagine with me that a mosque was being built. Do you think that people in the community would call it a Goliath? Do you think things would be said? It doesn't fit in with the character of the community. Do you think a politician running would say, it can take two years if it's ever approved? I'm not saying they're doing it with any evil intent. I don't think that's the case, but do you see how the culture is so changed? Where Christianity and Christ church at a very subliminal level can be persecuted. Now, I'm careful in what I'm saying. Please, I don't think people have that intent. I don't want to be misquoted in what I'm saying. But I recognize a whole change in the fundamental atmosphere of our culture that makes that possible to happen. Let me read the words of James McHenry. Without morals... A republic cannot subsist any length of time. They, therefore, who are decrying the Christian religion, whose morality is so sublime and pure, are undermining the solid foundation of morals, the best security for the duration of free governments. God says that He's our light individually and nationally. And when we want to erase him from our history, push him out of public life, when we want to erase a heritage that made us great, we take away the foundation that will help us to continue into the future. Jesus Christ is the light that defeats the darkness. It delivers us out of it. It defeats it. In John 1.5, the New Jerusalem Bible reads, and light shines in darkness, and the darkness could not overpower it. In New Living Translation, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. This scripture is powerful. It's saying that the darkness cannot crush the light. No matter how great the darkness is, it cannot put out the light of a candle. 
a light that defeats the darkness within. Ephesians 5, 8-9 reads, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as the people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. What happens in the believer's life as the light shines on the inside, we go from one glory to another glory to another glory. The old writers and theologians would call it sanctification or holiness. I was talking to a Christian brother this past week. He was sharing with me in his devotions. He made the practice to confess sin. And so he came to a place and he couldn't think of anything to confess. So he just didn't. A couple of days later he was driving and God spoke to his heart and said, son, you need to confess your pride. The closer we get to God, the more we realize we're sinful. We never stop sensing our need. We never stop sensing how much further we have to go. So what he is saying At this point, as we walk with God, there's an inner work of grace going on. In Romans chapter 13, 12, it reads, The night is nearly over, day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. We put aside the lust of the flesh. We put aside the pride of life. We put aside the sinful desires and the powers that once entangled us so that we could move on with God and walk in the light of his holy word. See, God calls us to live holy, godly lives. Our aim, our goal is to please the Lord. Our aim and our goal is to do what's right in his sight. Our aim and our goal is not merely to outwardly observe things, but to inwardly observe things, to do what God wants us to do. That's why we don't get involved in pornography. That's why we don't live with each other without the benefit of marriage because we believe that marriage is a holy institution that God has ordained and that's what God's word proclaims. That's why we don't go and lower ourselves down to another level and seek revenge and we are motivated out of selfishness or bitterness. That's why We as a Christian community trust in the power of God. See, as a community who loves God and knows God and wants to walk with God, we're concerned about the heart attitude. We're concerned about our thoughts. We're concerned about our motivations. We let the Holy Spirit search us. See, unless God is shining in us, he cannot shine through us. Unless God is working on the inside, he's not going to be able to work on the outside. That's why when we come to church, hear me church, when we come to church, it's not a matter of ritual. It's not a matter of routine. It's a matter of a relationship with God. And there is a hunger on the inside that says, oh God, I want you. As the deer pants after the waterfall, so panteth my soul after thee, oh God. There's a hunger on the inside that says, God. I'll not be satisfied until I am more like you. Hallelujah. If you're listening today and you've recently placed your faith in Jesus, this has been a perfect message for you. 
The Gospel of John is one of the very best places in the whole of the Bible for new believers to begin studying. And it's not just for new believers either. For those of us who have walked with Jesus for some time, it's always a wonderful reminder of who we're following. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you'll find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access an archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.